You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island. Welcome to Warwick Health and Wellness. I'm Martha Botella. I'm a lifelong resident of Warwick living in Norwood. I work in wellness, treating the mind-body connection to help the whole person. This podcast is sponsored by Wellness New England with out-of-the-box wellness solutions for companies that care. I'm really excited today. We're here with Cameron Kadek from Title I Schools here in Warwick. Hi, Cameron. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Martha. I'm so excited. Oh, me too. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah. Um, so, thank you. Quick question for you. Sure. Could you explain or tell a little bit about what Title I is here in Warwick for the schools? Yeah, absolutely. I get that question a lot, um, even from the families at our Title I schools. So this is an important one. Title I provides funding to school districts to improve the academic achievement of students, and those funds are allocated to schools with the highest concentration of low-income families. And so how we determine that is by looking at our free and reduced lunch. So when schools have a population of over 40% of the students that qualify for free and reduced lunch, um, they get their Title I. Our Title I schools in Warwick are Oakland Beach, Lippitt, Norwood, Hoxie, and Scott. That's awesome. What a great program. Yeah, because absolutely. Hangry is a real thing. For it sure. legit. As an parent and as an adult, we've all gotten to that point where we stop feeling and then we need like, you know, a little kick me up or a little sugar <laughs> intake. Right. So huge for the kids yeah. to be able to have stuff like that in place, making sure that they're getting some of the resources and needs met. Absolutely. It's awesome. So your job, what is it entitled for that portion of it? Like what exactly do you do working with Title One? Yeah, absolutely. So as family engagement facilitator, um, basically we know that when parents and families are involved, then that's when student success can really increase, right? Parents are the key to that success. So it's kind of my job to get families and parents involved in the decision-making process at the school, what's happening, um, how we're using those funds that we're given from Title I. And I also get to provide some really fun activities and events like science nights, um, Lego clubs, book clubs, um, family paint nights. I'll also do some workshops for parents, maybe some homework help. I love to collaborate with local organizations. Ripen helped us out with a homework workshop for parents. Um, so yeah, I get to run fun programs and workshops and um, do all sorts of good activities. Try to really encourage parents to come out with their kids and have fun, do something fun but educational, and just get involved in the school. We have a parent leadership council as well, so that's that opportunity for parents to come in and speak with administrators and you know kind of find out how that money is used at their school and maybe come up with some fresh ideas um, and how to do some things differently or use those funds in different ways that might be more beneficial to their student success. That's awesome. So there's a couple of things that popped out to me as you were talking. So one of them, the first thing with family, it, the family engagement portion, it's I hear giving parents a voice. Absolutely. Like you're pulling them in saying, I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. I want to know what's important and what your values are. Yes. So that way we can help to meet them. Yeah. And then the second thing that I heard is, especially after the impact of COVID, especially everybody has felt it, especially in the schools, mm -hmm. the student 
body, the teachers, you know, that frontline workers and trying to navigate through it, being able to offer those services where the kids can come together and kind of connect a little bit again and be creative and allow that safe space Mm -hmm. to be held for them to be able to, you know, engage and initiate as well as give them something to look forward to, I think is all amazing stuff that not a lot of people, I think, are even aware that some of that's coming from the Title I yep. program that you're doing. So that's amazing. Yeah. So what drew you to doing this type of work? Oh, it's a, a big question. I um, Well, so what drew me to this line of work is I actually was a parent myself. Um, my kids, I have a, an 8 and a 10-year-old that will be going into oh, fifth and third grade next year. Yeah. Yeah, it goes quick. (laughs) It really does. So when they were younger, we live in the Hoxie School District, and Hoxie is one of our Title I schools. So we actually qualified to participate in the Title I preschool over at Oakland Beach um, with Mrs. Daughter, who's a phenomenal teacher. And so my children were in the program, and I I was a participant as a parent myself. And Title I went through a little bit of a shift in the past few years. So before the position became available, it was a part-time role because most of our Title I schools were what's called targeted assistance, which means that only the reading students were considered Title I. So if I was the family engagement facilitator and I'm reaching out to families to get them involved in these programs, I'm only reaching out to 30 to 40 students and their families at each school because it's just the reading students. Um, And so three years ago, Title I went through a shift and all of the schools became a school-wide program, which means that Title I facilitator can reach out to all of the students and families. So we went from having about 450 Title I students district-wide to now about 1,400. So it was a very large increase and the role had previously been part-time. So they went to change the position to a full-time position, and it went up, um, you know, for grabs. And I, I saw that it was available, and I'm like, oh, my God, I loved doing this as a parent. I participated in these events, so I have experience with it. I can see um, the value firsthand and how important it is to get into the schools. I mean, I know when I became a parent, um, not only was I basically winging it, right? Like I knew the basics, but I felt like, especially with education, um, I needed some help and support. And so I found a really, um, really great support system through the Title I programs, meeting other parents, um, you know, having peers that were going through the same thing as me, having my kids meeting students before they even got to school. They were meeting kids that they would be going yeah. to school with. It made that transition, you know, that huge kindergarten transition that can be so right. scary. It just made it so smooth. So all of these yeah. wonderful things came out of participating in Title I. I was on the Parent Leadership Council. Um, I felt like I had a voice, and it just empowered me as a parent. And that made the hard days so much easier. easier. Yeah. And that's what it's really all about. Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day. And what a game changer with that one piece being changed. Yeah. Like the amount of students that now are able to get those resources. And I'm sure that they needed them before. Absolutely. But because that restriction was in place, those needs couldn't be met. So it's extraordinary to be able to see that significant difference of the student body that's now being yeah. um, impacted. So I was just going to, I, um, it also means that because we have more students, we get more money. 
Yeah, because yeah, it's kind of like a per-student um, allocation. So now our schools have a lot more funding to be able to, you know, provide professional development for our teachers, provide full-time social workers, provide, um, you know, extra math interventionists and reading specialists. So, you know, it really is from a student and family perspective, huge, but also just the school in general is getting a lot more support. Which is extraordinary, especially time frame wise, where you're saying it went from part time to full time. Really, after COVID is and going back to school is this is the first time right out the gate that you're actually full (laughs) blown like, yes, this is what we're doing. And this is what's happening. And let's see what we can, you know, create here. It's funny you mentioned COVID because I've been doing this job for three years. So if we look at it, my first year ended in a shutdown in March. (laughs) Um, And then my second year was about, you know, all virtual and distance learning and you can't mix pods. So for somebody that's supposed to be hosting fun family events, that you can't. (laughs) I had to think outside the box. And I did a lot of virtual things and some grab and go activities and things like that. And then this year, we kind of finally got back to normal. But I do joke because they said, Oh, it'll take you a couple years to get used to the job. And I'm like, so do I get some leeway here? Because I haven't had a normal year yet. Um, but I am, I've been given this freedom to kind of create the position because it had changed so much, like you mentioned, in the growth yeah. of amount of people that we were serving. So I really have been allowed to kind of make it what I want. And so that's been really exciting. That's extraordinary. I'm super happy to hear that because that's moving in the right direction, I think, um, for being able to say, let's provide those supports and that communication and that collaboration between parents and school, which is so, so important um, when it comes to the kids. So obviously we're dealing with times that we've never dealt with in the past. So what are you recognizing coming out of everything after isolation, after the impact for students and teachers and administrators? I mean, everybody was impacted from this. What are you seeing, you know, some basic things that are coming to the surface that the students potentially might need yeah, absolutely. put in place. So, you know, I wish I could speak for everybody as a whole, but um, as I mentioned, my kids are elementary aged and, and I work in only five of the elementary schools we have here in the city. So my scope is certainly narrowed to, you know, elementary families um, as well as those Title I schools. So, you know, I have um, those most vulnerable communities in our city that I'm dealing with firsthand. So it's a little bit different, but I think even in the best circumstances, we were all under so much pressure. I mean, just trying to keep your children safe is creates enough stress. And then, you know, putting in distance learning and trying to work from home um, while helping your children with school. I mean, it's just your focus is always split and it just, it's impossible. It's an impossible task. So there's a lot of pressure put on everyone to do that. And so certainly that raised, um, stress and anxiety levels. And then we also have, um, you know, situations where children were handed these devices because they needed them. They had to complete their schoolwork. Um, But then through no fault of anyone's, um, they were kind of left unmonitored on these devices. And, you know, parents have to work. They have to pay the bills. Who knows who is doing that distance learning with that child or the parents in a meeting and the child's on the Chromebook. You know, it is what it is. Um, But we're just finding that these kids were kind of exposed to a lot of content um, that was way too mature for them. And that's certainly having an impact. And then, of course, you know, we can touch upon all the really awful things that the kids, you know, everyone was locked in a house together. So they were probably 
witnessing things that they might not have witnessed before. We know domestic violence um, was on the rise, all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, there was a significant increase even reaching out to the department and stuff for a lot of the dispatch calls and everything. Yeah. We saw it straight across the board. Those parents that normally get out and get that break also weren't getting that break. So they're yeah. also reaching their limits faster than they normally would oh, for sure. in the midst of that as well. So I think the impact of you know, all of it just around was extremely impactful Absolutely. on everybody. Yeah. So it's, we know what we've dealt with. Yeah. So going forward and trying to say, let's focus on collaboration and what needs to be done and what solutions are, because everybody's aware of what we've been through. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, benefits of district-wide programs. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think when we get everybody together, again, it's nice to see Warwick is a very big city. We have a lot of people, but it also feels like such a small town in so many ways, right? Yeah. And we have all these organizations out there that provide wonderful services. Um, but it can be really overwhelming if you don't know who to contact, right? So say you are struggling with food insecurity. Um, well, nobody's just hungry. So it's not only food insecurity, it's probably five other things, right? And so you might have to call five different people to get help. But if you're struggling to just kind of take one step forward, you don't want to make five different phone calls, right? It's overwhelming. Want, yeah, it's just so And it can stop you. It propels you into that fight or flight mode yep. or that freeze mode, which is even worse because it stops you dead in your tracks. Exactly. Knowing what needs to get done, but not actually being able to push yourself in that direction to yeah. do it. And even for the outreach work that I do, it's a game changer just to sit down next to somebody and be like, I got you. We're just going to whack this out. Yep. yep. And to have that support where they feel like it's, you know, something that's potentially not just on them now. Yeah, exactly. Like somebody else is willing to walk that short path with them. Yep. And then once those services are in place, that mental space that it actually alleviates because we all know everything we push off yeah. takes up mental real estate. It'll pop in and remind you, hey, you still got to do this. And you're right, like, right. yeah, I will. And you push it off. But that will trigger a anxiety coming up. Like it triggers responses within our body. So yep. huge yeah. for parents to be able to have that support as well as you're correct, the eight dimension of wellness, yeah. for the whole person and the whole body that usually when there's one, discrepancy, whether it's food, housing, you know, gas, electric, whatever it is, there's usually multiple layers sure. in other areas. It's not usually, sometimes it is, but it's not usually just one. Yeah. It's, they need that wrap around, like they need to be wrapped in services in order to be able to um, thrive. Yeah. So when we area. all come together, if it's one stop shop, we're all together, we're all working together as a team, it can be a little less intimidating. And I think it's important, especially from a school system perspective to remember that if a student is showing up with an empty belly, they are not worried about what six times 11 is. They're not trying to figure out the sum. They're trying to figure out when their next meal is going to be, right? And we have our our breakfasts and our lunch programs, and they are phenomenal. But again, what happens when they get home, right? So we have, and then, you know, parents are dealing with the same struggles. So, you know, getting your kid to school on time isn't your biggest issue when you can't even get out of bed, bed. right? Yeah. So if we can come together, those community events, and we, we you know, create a space for people to get um, the support that they need, and they know that, you know, learning is 
very important, but we want to take care of the whole being as well. Yeah, I love that. So I did get to participate in your health and wellness fair this year, which was extraordinary. I suggest everybody participate in it. However, rumor on the street is that it might become something potentially back to schoolish or what's coming up next? What's in the pot? Like what are some of those cool things that you're looking to do? Yeah. So the mental health fair, which was in May and mental health awareness month, we're going to do that every year. I think that that was great to do. So we'll continue that. Um, But I would also love to see, and you know, I have some support from the school district, kind of like a kickoff to the school year event. And I'd love to see a fun family event on a weekend at one of our secondary schools, big location, food trucks, fire departments, Department. Um, everybody loves to see the mayor, so let's get in there, you know. And we could have, um, you know, maybe even our flu shot clinic at the same time. We can have um, all of that information about how to register for school, free and reduced lunch, you know, um, any questions with Aspen, and then backpacks and all of those supplies and stuff that people get donated and we can hand out and just kind of like a any question you have. You know, we'll have school employees there and we'll have just a one-stop shop, celebrate, get back to school, get all the information you need. Because again, that's another thing that can be daunting is Aspen as a parent myself yeah. oh. is frustrating, right? So if we can have, you know, your Aspen questions are answered, mine. Yes. Yeah, you know, and get everybody psyched and ready to head back to school. I would love to see that. And doing those connections, which Absolutely. is extraordinary. Yep. So when you it. need something outside of the school system, you know who to talk to because they're right there. That's extraordinary. So I am so grateful for you being here today because I think, especially coming out of COVID and all of the talk and the whole nine, a lot of times people will focus on what's wrong, what's going on, what's happening, what's not being done, stuff like that. But to really highlight the support that's being given at ground level to these families, it's big because that stuff is the stuff that creates a game changer for those students to be able to not just survive in the atmosphere of the environment that they're in, but to actually set them up to succeed, to thrive. Absolutely. And propel them forward in that area. And that's really what Warwick Schools is looking from my perspective. There are some gaps, some holes that need to be done. We're bridging the gaps in so many areas, mental health, like so many different areas, but seeing those bridges being built one at a time to be able to get those and create that collaboration is extraordinary. So thank you so much for the work that you've been doing. Yeah, It's really nice to hear about some of the positive things that have come out of the impact and the positive things that are now being passed on to these students. I appreciate you having me on and being able to speak. The school system, the school department is doing a lot of wonderful things we don't often get to share. So I appreciate the the opportunity to do so. Thank you. I'm so excited. And hopefully we'll have you back again with another update, maybe after school starts to see. (laughs) Giving me an opportunity to chat with you. I'm in. Right? So much fun. I love this. So keep doing the work that you're doing. Your work you do matters and it's affecting lives and changing futures. So thank you for being one of those leaders out there willing to advocate and put programs in place to help our kids succeed. Same goes to you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Warwick Health and Wellness. If you have any comments or questions, please write to us at mj.botella at gmail.com. 
thank you to Wellness New England for sponsoring our show. See you next time. You're listening to Warwick Radio Online. The voice of Warwick, Rhode Island.